0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
1: At the corner where 14th Avenue meets 125th Street in North Miami, you'll find the remains of a large gas station. The buildings now house a Haitian church, an internet radio station, a few empty offices, and a convenience store. If you visit the Google Street View of this corner, you'll see it's a composite image, like all Google Street Views, Some of the angles were taken in 2017, some in 2014, but whichever view you look at it from, you'll see Thomas Matthews in the picture, sitting out front of the convenience store.
2: I guarantee you, if you sit here, everybody pass by the guy, Thomas, what's up?
1: Thomas has been here for the last 27 years. He's the property manager. Can I sit here with you just for a minute? Yeah, sure.
2: You know just the way I sit. I sit just like this sometime. But I don't sit here all day, do you? I walk
1: around. He takes me inside. Can you show me where where you would see Arnaldo and Charles? They'd be right here. Arnaldo Riosoto Soto and Charles Kinsey were from the group home down the street, Macktown. Arnaldo lived there, Charles worked at it. Thomas says for years he'd seen customers from the home. Arnaldo and Charles would become regulars. Thomas says Charles explained to him that Arnaldo was autistic. Says he could have guessed that by the way Arnaldo was always twisting a toy truck around in his hands. Says he found Arnaldo sweet. You know, they were
2: very polite, so there was no problem.
1: No problems until July 18th, 2016. Um, can you show me where where you were when the cops pulled up? You maybe saw this cell phone video a couple summers ago, or at least heard about it in the news. An unarmed caregiver at a North Miami group home was shot by a cop while trying to help an autistic man who had wandered off to play in the middle of the street with a toy truck. In the video, you see a middle-aged black man, Charles, laying in a suburban intersection, hands up, next to a younger Latino man, Arnaldo. Arnaldo is just sitting with a toy truck.
3: A cell phone camera
1: captured it all. The police officers crouch behind telephone poles. Guns out. Charles is yelling at Arnaldo to get on the ground. Please just get on the ground. Arnaldo's words are hard to make out. After 71 seconds of this, the cell phone video cuts. When it starts again, Charles is lying motionless on the street. Shot. Two police officers hovering over him like they're trying to figure out what to do. Another cop's got Arnaldo on his stomach. He's in handcuffs. I'm Audrey Quinn. This is After Effect, a new podcast from WNYC Studios. The video from July 18th, 2016 was one of a terrible stream of videos that marked that summer another unarmed person of color shot by the police. Just 12 days before this, cops had shot and killed Philando Castile on a Facebook live stream. The day before that, Alton Sterling was shot out front of a store, again on camera. But this video tells another story, too, about Arnaldo Riosoto, the then 26-year-old autistic man, who I've spent the last eight months getting to know.
0: Look! <laughs> Octopus Bride, truck!
1: Arnaldo is pretty incredible, and he's been through a lot. His family left Puerto Rico when he was young, has moved around the U.S. trying to find a better life for him, and them. Over the next eight episodes, we're going to follow him and try to understand how an autistic man and his caregiver end up in SWAT team crosshairs. And what happened next, after the cameras and reporters moved on. This story took me deep into a world of institutions, psych wards, and group homes, a world inhabited by hundreds of thousands of developmentally disabled adults in this country. And it says a lot about what they can and cannot do, who decides that, and about how those decisions are enforced, with restraints, with drugs, and with three bullets shot that day from a SWAT team member's gun. Just as this shooting epitomized the worst fears of Black families across the country, this particular shooting also epitomized the worst fears of autistic people and their families. Autistic adults who feel invisible, who feel powerless, who feel in a lot of ways threatened for their very survival. Just a quick language note here at the top, dozens of autistic people I've talked to for this podcast have asked me to say autistic people, not people with autism. They see autism as a central part of who they are, not some affliction they want to be separated from. So autistic people it is. I met Charles Kinsey, the man who was shot at the Miami law offices of Rasco Clock. They've taken on his case. He tells me this story starts about a month before the shooting, when he and Arnaldo Riosoto first met.
3: I was going to be the one that was going to be working close to him.
1: Charles worked for MacTown. It's a Miami chain of group homes for developmentally disabled people. They hired him right out of the interview as a behavioral therapist.
3: I loved the job. I enjoyed it. Matter of fact, I was working at two group homes at the same time.
1: A behavioral therapist is essentially a paid companion for the most disabled people. Usually not a lot of training, a high school diploma, pay near minimum wage. And depending on their client's needs, behavioral therapists can work one-on-one or with a whole crew of clients. Another language note, in this industry, the preferred word is client, not patient. Developmentally disabled people aren't sick, and it's also a reminder that there needs to be the focus here, Charles was making just $10 an hour, but MacTown let him work a lot of hours, up to seven days a week. And he took to it. The work felt good.
3: Just, you know, um, knowing that someone was dependent on me, that whatever they needs was, I was there.
1: The group homes where Charles worked had six men each in them. That's typical for what's considered community housing for developmentally disabled adults. The residents went to occupational training classes midday. Then it was Charles' job to be there when they came home in the afternoon, find the activities they wanted to do.
3: We would go to the park. We go take a walk in. I wanted to do some, a whole lot of stuff there, but I didn't get a chance to get to it.
1: Do you remember when you first heard that Arnaldo was going to be coming?
3: Um. Yes, I remember that they did tell us that he was like I guess um what I say a level one. They have different levels.
1: The Florida State Disability Agency divides people up by behavioral needs. When people have more problems, their caretakers can charge Medicaid more money. Arnaldo had recently gotten the highest needs designation.
3: Um, Level one is more where you have to pay more attention to that client.
1: The Florida agency manages services for people like Arnaldo. It gave MacTown a thick file that said Arnaldo was autistic, intellectually disabled. That in the past few months, he'd bounced through four different group homes, three psych wards. He'd been violent towards himself and others. That Arnaldo needed someone with him at all times. And that someone was going to be Charles. So Macdown sent him to meet Arnaldo at his last hospital.
3: I didn't know what to expect. But I just, like, I just I know when I first met him, I just prayed. <laughs> I just said, Lord, give me the strength to um, deal with what you got in front of me right now today. That's it. And I just went up. and I, When I seen him, I just went, hey, Anato, how you doing? My name is Charles. He looked at me, and I looked at him. I said, all right, um, we finna get ready to go to a new facility. I said, first of all, you want something to eat? So we went to McDonald's. We got us something to eat. Uh, everything went well. Once we got to his room, we made sure that his toys was there and, you know, his toy trucks, the one that he had that day. Um, his lamp, and his radio. He loved his radios.
1: Charles says the Arnaldo he read about in the States Files, that was not the guy he got to know.
3: I mean, Arnaldo was a, he, he, he was cool, though. I, I really liked Arnaldo. Um, he started calling me, Charles, I like, what's up, Arnaldo? Um but he did have his um outbursts. Like
1: physical stuff.
3: Yeah, and when he got a ag- he done got aggressive and I had to let him know, Arnaldo, come on, we we're not having that here. We're not doing that here, you know. Um but then he'll calm down, he'll like, Okay, okay, that's, that's him. Okay. I like all right, let's go back in the room and you really had to know what he liked. And once you found out what he liked, Arnaldo was fine.
1: Things Arnaldo really likes. Toy trucks, he always has one with him. It's a comfort thing. Listening to the radio, he loves Spanish ballads. And 90s cartoons, he cuts out pictures of his favorite characters, laminates them with tape, and takes them with him everywhere. Charles and Arnaldo actually only had about a month together, but Charles spent every shift at Arnaldo's group home alongside Arnaldo. They clocked a lot of hours.
3: I think his mom told me that he liked computers. When I found that out, oh, my God, and he's good. That's why I said, man, I underestimate Arnaldo if they want to. Arnaldo got on that computer. He taught me some things, <laughs> for real.
1: Arnaldo really knows his way around YouTube.
3: I mean, it was more like cartoon things. He'll take me straight to the Pound Puppies, and I know when I came in that situation, Arnaldo was fine. And everybody like, you know what, we need to keep Charles with this guy, and... I mean, they was trying to get it to that point, but it, you know, unfortunately, events happened, so.
1: <laughs> July 18th, 2016 was hot, Charles remembers, 91 degrees. The five other guys in the group home had gone off to the adult day training center. Arnaldo had wanted to stay home that afternoon.
3: I mean, it was just just me and Arnaldo, just me and him there. Yeah, I ordered a pizza, I paid for it myself. You know, I said, "Okay, we finna eat, we finna relax, we are gonna have a good time today, me and you." It was calm and cool, everything was just fine.
1: And then Arnaldo started seeming not so fine.
3: Like I say, outbursts, you know, and it happens. You know, he started walking up and down the um the house. He went to open up door. I said, "What's up? You want to go for a walk?" Then he said, "No." And I said, "Okay, then close the door." And then you know, all right, you know. Then he came back to the room, and this time, he came running. Phew! He shot right out the door. I said, oh, here we go again. (laughs) I mean, I can't stop him from going out the door, but I have to be there with him. As he went out the door, I'm coming, I'm walking right behind him.
1: Arnaldo and Charles walked around the neighborhood most days. The group home was on a suburban block of North Miami, full of pastel-colored ranch homes and small parched-looking palm trees. This is Arnaldo's neighborhood. Charles doesn't stop him from going out. A disability isn't a reason to confine someone to the group home. But it's also Charles' job to make sure Arnaldo is safe.
3: So I'm walking out. When I walked out the door, the next door neighbor actually said, you going to get him? I said, I got him. I said, don't worry about it. He, he'll be fine. He just, you know, the, you know, he, I, I got my eye on him. So he's hiding behind the poles just to look and see if I'm going to come. I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming to get you. So when I get about probably about a couple of feet within Arnaldo. That's why I see this in a car come. And a lady, Arnaldo, actually Arnaldo jumped in front of the car with the uh, with the truck.
1: The toy truck. When you move around a lot like Arnaldo had, sometimes your stuff can feel more like home than your house does. So of course he had a truck with him that day. A shiny silver tanker with the logo for the Puerto Rican phone company Cellulares Telefonica. He loved it so hard the front cabin wheels had fallen off. It was basically a long, thin, shiny silver barrel.
3: He had no, no truck it with him at the whole time. So I told her, I said, don't worry about it, I got it, you know, just go. So she came around and, you know, I guess she went on about her business.
1: None of this was unusual, totally routine for Charles. But it was a little hot to be running around outside.
3: When I get close up to him, I said, no, no, come on, man, let's stop, let's stop. No more, no more, no more. So he was like... What he, one thing that he loved to do, he liked to flop. What I mean by flop, he'll flop and just sit down right on the, on the, on the ground. He won't budge. So he did that to me. And I said, uh-oh, here we go.
1: Arnaldo just sat down in the road. Not exactly in the middle of the intersection, but almost.
3: What I did is, I sh- call myself shielding him, so I'm standing on, over top of Nando at that time, so nothing would happen to him. Now I didn't want him to. I actually didn't want him to get up and run no more either at that point. I'm standing over him, <clears throat> this car here, so I'm trying to tell the car them to go. Y'all, y'all go ahead. I, I got him. He 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 gonna be fine.
1: And then one of the passing drivers made a phone call, nine one one.
2: Friday, of fire. What is the address here? Hey, we got that emergency uh, I think It's 14th
1: Avenue on 127 Northeast. We're not going to use this woman's name because people on the internet blame her for what happened next. But what matters is that just before 5 p.m., she was driving south on 14th Avenue in North Miami. She'd just left her house, was on her way to Cross Fitness, when she got to this intersection. And she had a very specific interpretation of what Arnaldo and Charles were doing.
2: There's this guy in the middle of the road, and he has what appeared to be a gun. He's sitting there, sitting on driving with a gun. He has it to his head, and there's a guy there trying to talk him out of it.
1: She tells the dispatcher the guy with the gun looks Spanish. A black guy is with him. I think the guy is mentally okay. I don't know if it's a gun, but he had something
2: like the shape like a gun. So just be careful. And he's
1: sitting in the middle of the road. She wavers a little bit in her description. I don't know if it's a gun. But there's no going back after this 911 call.
3: Um, and this is when I heard, I heard the sirens going in.
1: The sirens were the North Miami Police Department. And Charles is suing over what happened next. Doesn't want to talk about it. But Thomas Matthews from the convenience store was also there. So were his neighbors. They saw what really happened. That's next when After Effect continues.
2: All right, I don't feel like walking with you at first. See where that black car by the blue car? She was right there on the corner.
1: Thomas Matthews' convenience store is a block away from the intersection where Arnaldo flopped. He heard the sirens and went over to investigate. Saw Charles and Arnaldo in the middle of the road. Saw a policewoman walking up. He told her right away, hey, I know them. He wanted to explain that they come into his store, that they were from the group home down the street. But she cut him off.
2: Now was he told me, I tell you, get your ass back before you get shot. I walk back this way.
1: But he kept watching, saw what happened, tells me over and over again he thinks he could have prevented it. If only that cop would have listened to him. If only he could have explained to her about the group home. I noticed a three story apartment building at the corner. All 12 apartments face the intersection where Arnaldo and Charles have been. There's also Padino people in those apartments that saw it, because some people in
2: those apartments. They probably would talk with you. And you can knock on the door, but you be careful because she got a house full of dogs. Which one? The third door on the second floor, that's her door. Yeah.
1: I knock. I have no idea how to respond when a woman yells over the barking. Who is it? It's Audrey from the radio. She peeks out, suggests I hurry up and get inside before her dogs get out. Thanks for letting me in. You want a cigarette or something? What's that? Cigarette? You want nah, water? I'm good. I'm you good. want water? I'm good, thank you. Maria Minerva is fifty-six. She has maroon hair and a purple spaghetti strap tank top that shows a dream catcher tattoo on her left shoulder. I meet her four rescue dogs. Dogs in need have a way of finding me, she explains. The smallest one, Skyler, was hit by a car yesterday. He's recuperating in a makeshift nest she's made in the living room by pushing her couches together. He's got one of those plastic cones around his neck. She smokes a cigarette over the kitchen sink. Tell me about that day last summer. Were you looking out the window? No, I was in the house, but I heard the commotion, and when we looked out... She takes me out onto the balcony. Nothing
4: happened. Okay, yeah. I stayed yeah.
1: here. And you could hear that from here? Yeah, I'm standing here. And then the next thing I know, uh, my son was out there. He saw everything. How's your son? He's 22. His name is Ivano. He was with Sivano Hernandez was actually the one who made the cell phone video that day. A couple hours later, he joins us in Maria's apartment. He comes in holding a can of Coke and a lit cigarette. Hey,
4: hey, don't bite me. I'm trying to be nice. Stop. Stop. Sivano, he's scared of you and you know it. Damn, why he feels like that? Because he thinks you hate him. Don't even, all that is bro- His hips are broken.
1: One of Savano's arms has a full sleeve tattoo of bones and chains. He's got a wispy goatee that his face is still growing into. Savano was staying at his mom's place on July 18th, 2016.
4: It was just a regular day, you know? And then it just had a sudden turn of events. I went to play basketball, came back. My baby mother, uncle came over here. And uh, that's when we went outside. We went, got some sodas from the store, got, got two cigarettes, and we were smoking on the balcony, and that's when everything happened that's to occur. Right.
1: He Savano's spot on the balcony was about 60 feet from Ronaldo and Charles at the intersection.
4: When I seen the kid running, he's screaming all this crazy stuff, and then I see Mr. Kinsey, he's chasing after the kid, and he's, he's basically just trying to, trying to get his attention and trying to get him to calm down. But obviously you could tell that the kid wasn't right, you know? He wasn't all the way there. So, he was screaming. And then he, there was a point where he sat down on the floor. And Mr. Kinsey was right there and he was just, he was, he was, he was basically attending to him, you know, the whole time.
1: Just in the middle of the intersection?
4: Yeah. the whole time he was, he actually said, the police are coming, the police are coming. Gary Eugene was
1: North Miami's chief of police at the time. He didn't get there till later, but he helped make the report of what happened. He says the first officer to arrive took cover behind a cement pole.
0: The first officers to arrive at the scene, the first one took over behind a cement pole.
1: A second officer also took cover behind a pole, at the other corner that faced Charles and Arnaldo. Charles has hit the ground. He's on his back in sort of a sit-up position, up just enough to watch what's happening, hands in the air. Arnaldo's still just sitting where he flopped. The two officers are about 20 feet from them. Two other officers are at their backs, behind a car, about 150 feet away. The police take note of the scene over the radio transmission.
2: Black male, green shirt, hands up. White, pink male, gray shirt, jeans sitting down,
0: hands up. The officers initially thought Kenzie was the victim of Mr. Soro who had the gun.
1: Oh, so they thought his hands up were up in response to Mr. Arnaldo, Soto. not in response to the cops. Exactly.
4: So when I seen the police arrive, and they shut down three, the three ways to get into this block, and they all had rifles, and they were pointed at Mr. Kinsey and the kid. This was just a few
1: minutes after the initial 911 call. Just a few more minutes after Arnaldo had gone for what had seemed like a routine walk in his neighborhood.
4: And I'm like, at that point, I was like, oh my God, something's about to happen.
1: Yeah, what made you think, like, I better get my
4: phone out? What would you do in my situation? You know, I figured, damn, let let me get this on camera, you know, because nobody's going to believe me if I ain't got no proof, you know? So at that point, I started recording,
0: so everything the officers did were to the tee. They responded, they took cover. Everything was to what they're supposed to do.
1: At least up until that point, Chief Eugene says. The police dispatch is still telling officers the same very specific story.
0: There's a male with a gun to his head in the middle of the roadway. White Latin male wearing a gray and black shirt
4: and gray pants.
1: In the video Savano took, all of this is going on, and Arnaldo is just sitting cross legged at the intersection, looking back and forth at Charles and the officers behind the poles. This whole time, he's fidgeting with the truck in his hands. Charles Kinsey stays on his back, hands up.
4: Right there, the police are just pointing their rifles at him. They're not really doing nothing at this point, they're not trying to communicate with them. They're just telling him to lay down. Oh,
0: <laughs>
1: Charles is trying to figure out what the cops want from him. Roll on my stomach? It's not clear exactly what Arnaldo knows about what's happening here. There's people yelling, including Charles, very aggressively. All around him is a lot of stress. Words are not Arnaldo's thing, he doesn't just come up with them the way other people do. But Arnaldo's a bit of a film buff he's learned to remix his favorite lines to get a point across. So he reaches for a clump of words he's seen used to make someone quiet in a scary situation. This is Woody in Toy Story, when he and Buzz Lightyear are lost. Buzz is freaking out. And Woody wants Buzz to just cool it.
0: Shut up! Just shut up, you idiot!
1: Arnaldo tries the line out on Charles. Shut up, you idiot. But Charles won't be quiet. More police join the scene. They see these two men of color on the ground, both yelling, one seemingly refusing to lie down or put his hands up, still holding a shiny barrel-shaped thing..
4: Honestly, I, I'm not surprised with the way it went down because when they, when they showed up like that, I already knew I already knew something was going to happen. Because that they, they were treating it with, with, with force. You get me? They were using some force The man's unarmed the kid got a got a toy and they could see it visibly You know what I'm saying?
1: Could you see it was a toy?
4: Well from my my view, I didn't I, I wasn't close up like the officers over there and over there by the poles You get me We were sitting over there. You can see and the little kid was the he's a man basically. He's, like he's a man, but you know, with special needs, was sitting down with the toy in his hand. Could you
1: see the way he was holding it? Yeah, he was sitting down going like this. So you're like looking down at your chest and playing with it kind of yeah. right in front of you? Yeah, him. Yeah. And he kept saying that I can tell you, he kept saying, Don't shoot, don't shoot. The assistant, the playbill yeah. assistant.
4: The whole time he was he was telling them that he has a toy truck in his hand. It's a toy truck in his hand. — Charles
1: says, I am the behavior tech at the group home. That's all this is. That's all it is. There's no need for guns. Arnaldo's now throwing out panicked movie lines. In Silvano's cell phone video, Arnaldo then looks up, sees the officer behind the telephone pole with the gun cocked up against his face, and seems to mimic him. He holds the tanker truck in the same position.
0: There at one point, the commander was on the scene, got on the air to advise that he appeared that uh, the individual, the subject, appears to be loading his gun.
1: The commander's words were, it looks like he's loading up his gun.
0: But I can tell you from a distance, that toy did look like a gun.
4: Well, in the beginning, from a distance, it was shiny and it looked like something. But after a few minutes into it, when you could see his behavior and the way he was acting, you could tell that he wasn't all the way there. And then he started putting it in his mouth, and there's no way— At that point, I could tell it wasn't no gun, because you could tell the the form.
1: The next police radio transmission is the hardest to make out. It's from Officer Jonathan Aleda. He's a SWAT team member crouching behind a car, about 150 feet behind Charles Narnaldo. I have a clear shot of the subject, he says, then something indecipherable. The dispatcher asks him to repeat. Another officer chimes in. He advised he has a clear shot. But there's disagreement. I have a visual does not appear to be a firearm. I have a visual does not appear to be a firearm. Another officer confirms not a gun. The dispatcher gives the code to acknowledge but it doesn't matter. SWAT officer Jonathan Aleda fired three times from behind the car.: shots fired. Fourteen seconds after his fellow officer confirmed it was not a gun.:
2: We have one down. have them hold fire. We have one down..:
1: Is anyone injured?: Charles is now laying on his back screaming. Ronaldo jumps to his feet. It's just seven minutes after dispatch had called the officers to the scene. The officers first report no injuries. It seemed all three bullets hit the street, but one ricocheted into Charles' right thigh. Charles, who'd just come to that intersection to make sure Arnaldo was safe, who did everything right, now has a bullet in him. The head of the police union later explained this was an unfortunate error. The officer had meant to shoot Arnaldo. Remember, this was the same month as Philando Castile and Alton Sterling. The same year as Gregory Gunn and Nakeel Dinkins. But this isn't one of those the department signaled. He didn't mean to shoot the black guy. He meant to shoot the autistic guy. After the shooting, the officers approached Charles and Arnaldo. They flipped Charles over and handcuffed him.
4: That's when he was already shot. They still cuffed him. Right there, we already know the police did a big mistake. They started telling everybody, get in their house.
1: Charles asked the police why the handcuffs. They said, protocol. They kept him there handcuffed on the ground, bleeding with a bullet in him for at least 10 minutes until the EMT came and made them take the handcuffs off. Charles remembers being afraid he was gonna pass out. The officers handcuffed Arnaldo too, pressed the front of his body against the street. They frisked and searched him and locked him in the backseat of a police car. One of the main ways Arnaldo calms himself down is doing what some autistic people call stimming, waving his hands, twirling an object, repetitive, meditative movements. For two hours, Arnaldo sat handcuffed in the back of the police car, unable to do these movements. A witness said they heard screams. Detective Michael Gaudio came to take a lead on the scene. By this time, the head of Arnaldo's group home had gotten there, told the police about Arnaldo's disabilities, asked if he could see him. But Gaudio had told another officer to take Arnaldo back to the station.
0: No, no, sit down, just slide back. He's okay.
1: This is a video of Arnaldo's interrogation. It's taken by a security camera from the upper corner of a gray, closet-sized room at the North Miami Police Station. Two officers enter with a handcuffed Arnaldo. It's a little over two hours after the shooting.
2: Okay, Arnaldo, my name is Detective Gaudio. I'm with the police department. You know where the police are? Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay.
1: The camera shows Arnaldo's face and the back of Detective Gaudio's head. They're seated at a small white table— the other cop stays out of you.
2: Do you know what, what happened tonight? Today at all? Yeah. What happened? <sighs> you were feeling kind of bad?
1: Yeah. Okay. We can't know what Arnaldo was thinking here, but he seems to take a reasonable strategy. When faced with authority, when in doubt, be as agreeable as possible. Do
2: you remember what happened? Yeah. Can you tell me?
1: Yeah. Go ahead, tell me. Uh huh. It's a strange scene. The cop seems unsure of what he's going to get here. Okay.
2: Yes. Okay. Do you know Charles? Charles? Yeah. The guy who was, who was there with you?
1: Yeah.
2: You know, how do you know him? Do you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Detective okay. Gaudio was told Arnaldo either had mental problems or was on drugs. Neither he nor the North Miami police would respond for comment.
2: Okay. Where were you so, going tonight?
1: Yeah.
2: Do you know what you had in your hand? Yes. What
1: did you have in your hand? Yeah. It is so hard to know what's going on here. When I interviewed Gary Eugene, the police chief with the Haitian accent, he said as much to me. He was fired after the shooting. He's now suing for wrongful termination. After the interview, he told me, you know what the city should have done right away is say we blew it. Do you think you blew it, I ask him? He looks at me and nods. Then adds, but this I cannot say. Emil Holland, one of the commanders who was there that day, also lost his job. And SWAT officer Jonathan Aleda, who pulled the trigger, has been put on paid leave. He has a criminal trial set for mid-2018. It'll be the first time a Miami-Dade County police officer has been tried for an on-duty shooting in almost 30 years.
2: What did you have in your hand? Do you know?
1: Yeah. I keep going back to this video from that night to Arnaldo in a tiny room with two cops at the North Miami police station.
2: Was Was it shiny? Shiny. Or was it black? Black. Was it red? Red. Or was it blue?
4: Blue. Okay.
1: Okay. You have to ask yourself, why is Arnaldo even here? How does a walk outside with a toy truck in your hand end in a place like this? At one point, Detective Gaudio pauses like he's gonna stop, compliments Arnaldo's Ghostbusters shirt. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters.
2: Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. You like Ghostbusters? And then continues. Did you want to hurt anybody tonight? Yeah. Who did you want to hurt? Uh
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Finally, it ends.
2: Do you want to go back home now?
1: Yeah, go home.
2: (sighs) Okay, Arnaldo. We're gonna take you home,
4: okay? Okay. Okay.
0: Come
1: on. But where exactly was home now? One more group home placement had not worked out. And it wasn't going to be any easier to find another one. July 18th, 2016 was the day in Arnaldo's life that made headlines. But within a day, he'll be back in custody. And this time, he's not getting out. Next on After Effect, I needed to find out more about what happened that next day, and the day after that, about the fight Arnaldo and his family have been fighting now for over 27 years, and how everything changed because a passing driver misunderstood a little toy truck. Everything. After Effect by Only Human is a podcast from WNYC Studios. It's produced and reported by me, Audrey Quinn, and edited by Ben Adair. Additional reporting from Anari Patani. Production help from Phoebe Wang. Thanks goes to Sarah Luderman of NOS Magazine and reporter Eric Garcia for pointing us to Arnaldo's story. Casey Means is our technical director with engineering help from Matt Boynton and Jared Paul. Hannes Brown is our composer. Our team of talented reporter-producers includes Christopher Johnson, Mary Harris, Amanda Aronchik, and Christopher Wirth, with help from Margot Slade. Michelle Harris is our fact-checker. Our intern is Caitlin Sullivan. Jim Schachter is WNYC's Vice President for News. WNYC's health coverage and after-effect are supported in part by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Jane and Gerald Catcher and the Catcher Family Foundation, Science Sandbox, an initiative of the Simons Foundation, and the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. Thanks also to the Rosalind Carter Fellowship for Mental Health Journalism.